This is the Porpoise Pod. It's a podcast with a purpose. All dolphins, all the time. Touchdown! Now, here's your host, Brendan Tobin and Alejandro Solana. What's up, everybody? Welcome on in to another edition of the Porpoise Pod. It is Brendan Tobin here alongside my co-host, Alejandro Solana. Solana, what's going on, man? How are you? I, I was tempted to uh, to head to Hard Rock Stadium this morning myself to get a little work in, Tobin. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah, just, field, just by just do it by yourself. Field goal work. Uh, Sanders yesterday. I don't know. I just I, I might hit the park and go hit some chippies and uh, and and watch them go through. You know, like Sanders. I felt like I felt like it was you know on on his way to redemption. You know, a tough year last year off the big yeah. contract, and so like oh he was just money throughout the preseason and then. You know, he misses that one. Now I'm all nervous again. Is this gonna is this gonna shake his confidence throughout the year? Because this was supposed to be the bounce back Sanders year. Yeah, we made such a big deal uh during the game yesterday. I don't know about you, but oh, five for five, this one's in. Oh, the, 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 there's no doubt about it. I would have bet my life savings on this one. And and of course, off the 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 bright, of course. It's uh it was funny because you just see like the look of uh on McDaniel and you're like, well. That's uh well, it's like it's that welcome to the NFL moment early on of just like, hey, this is how one score games are going to go all the time. Not that he doesn't know because he's been in the league for a long time, but now you're a head coach. Like, Sandra, listen, we all saw the Brian Flores, the uh, the last press release. Like, it's yeah. your record that they always remember. And so, yes, this is preseason, but now he's just he's known the cruel fate of the NFL where you your your opponent misses an upright, and now you miss an upright, and that could be uh, the the difference in you being a genius or a bum. Yeah, yeah. I hope it doesn't shake his confidence, but I, I think he'll be all right. I think uh, I think we got Pilardi's ass out of there, so I, I think uh, <laughs> I don't think there's anything to be concerned about there. We got the we got the right guy to get the laces the right way, but um, no, it was an interesting one. Like obviously, it was a game yesterday that had a little bit more juice to it because Tua started, so that uh, that was exciting. Thought Tyreek Hill was going to play, but uh, so, like apparently he was warming up with the intention to play, and then all of a sudden they're just like, "Never mind." That's kind of a strange thing to do. Yeah, they they didn't even release. Yesterday was very weird. They didn't release an official inactives list. The Dolphins normally around ninety minutes before game time, right? We get an inactives list from both teams, and the Raiders didn't even release one officially. We got uh, in the broadcast booth, we got their inactives from the Raiders. TV broadcast like they just didn't they didn't even send one out to us which never happens and the Dolphins released a probably not going to play list so not even an official inactive list like players not expected to play list and Tyreek wasn't on that list so from my perspective it was hey we're getting Tua and Tyreek Hill and then here comes Tyreek right around the time the Dolphins come out of the tunnel eight minutes before kickoff and he's not wearing pads and Tobin, like, if Teron Armstead isn't playing, I understand we all wanted to see Tua, right? There's no doubt about it. I'm happy we got to see him. We're going to talk about his debut. It was fine. Like, nothing nothing to be so hyped about. And it, it was it was okay. We're going to get to it. But if Waddle's not playing, Tyreek's not playing, Teron Armstead's not playing, like, then what was the point, right? right. Other, other than getting Tua reps. But we want to see him get reps with those guys. You For know, sure. so – it was, it was frustrating not to see Tyreek out there. And listen, maybe he's not feeling good. Maybe he went up to McDaniel an hour before game time and he's like, hey, 
I, like, don't don't put me. What what are we doing? It's preseason. Don't put me out there. I'm I'm not trying to get reps in preseason with these bums. So like, I'm 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 fine with it either way. I'm not upset at anybody. I'm not having a take here. I was just disappointed because man, like we saw Tua, but did we really see what we wanted to see? No, because we want to see Tua, Tyreek. We want to see how the run game can be impacted with Tyreek Hill running around in the backfield. You know, like that's what we want to see. Yeah, that that's definitely it definitely is like it's just been a long time. We're very excited to uh to see everything together. So I thought it was just gonna be the case because I don't know what they do going into this week because you know they'll have their their joint practices. It is the last preseason game. How much do you really want to risk it now with just one game left? But if they're not gonna give Tyreek any preseason run, then when does it come? Now, I think the probably genuine feeling is he's had you know, an amazing camp. They've limited his snaps all camp anyway. What is the point of playing him? Yeah. But I'm with you. Like you, you kind of want to get a feel for how is this new offense going to look together? And I think the only real new connection we could see with two, was probably him and chase Edmonds. Um, as far as like him dealing with somebody new and that run game has been uninspiring thus far, which yeah. was obviously a, a big thing of, of what needs to get fixed coming into this year. They got a whole new heap of running backs in there. And, you know, they're not doing, you know, McDaniel's wizard things yet of his run guru-ness, which yeah, I got to be honest, I'm getting a little bit nervous about the run guru stuff yep, because yep. even he, you know, I, I saw his, his sit down with Levitard and he's like, listen, I can't just sprinkle pixie dust on it. It's like, <laughs> hey, run game is here, everybody. Hocus pocus, abracadabra run game. Um, but I, I do think that we've seen so far a little bit of a struggle of just that straight up game. I think the one, like those two runs to Sony Michelle, like right up the middle went nowhere. And so it's not a, I won't say it's a concern, but it's definitely, I don't feel confident that it's fixed yet. Yeah. I wish he did have some, uh, a little bit of pixie dust, by the way. Like I wish, <laughs> I wish he, he was able to just be a magician. Here's the thing though. The bar was set so low in terms of the running game that, I mean, if, if he can't improve it a little, I, that that's like, I can't see that happening. Right. Like, I can't see it where he can't even improve it a little. And we saw some glimpses later on in the game, but man, all throughout camp, Tobin, it doesn't seem like the offensive line for the first time in forever. We talked about it last week. The offensive line hasn't really been this point of contention, right? Like nobody's focusing too much about it. We're talking about the cornerbacks and we're going to continue talking about them after Igbenogany got toasted again in the first uh, first couple plays of the game. But we're talking about the cornerbacks. We're talking about the quarterback. We're talking about the wide receivers. Um, we might even be talking about the defensive line a little bit. But I feel like we, for the most part, we've, we've everybody has just overlooked the offensive line. Like, oh, they're playing well. There's no big storylines. But, man, like they could not create any sort of momentum for the running game. They just couldn't yesterday. And right. That, that's concerning to me. I know Teron Armstead wasn't playing, and I know by the second half, I, I saw somebody, the way they eloquently put it was, these are all insurance salesmen in, by, by you know October. And I don't know how correct that is, but yeah, some of those guys won't be getting actual playing time in the regular season. But it, it was still concerning. Like, Kasiki couldn't get any blocks. Seathan Carter got blown up yeah. on a play. Derm Smythe wasn't too impressive blocking either. Like, those guys need to block for McDaniel's scheme to work. And it, it just hasn't looked the way I thought it would look. 
Yeah, and certainly I thought that, you know, we saw in the two series that Tua was out there, even in the passing attempts, like he had to create some some space and time for himself. Um, you saw that. I mean, I felt like Teddy Bridgewater was running for his life <laughs> yesterday. Um, and, and that and that I think certainly is probably the most discombobulated part of the game was when Bridgewater was in there. And you definitely notice that by his uh, and it's not all his fault, but you see that by his like his sketchy ratio of like 10 to 20 yesterday. Um, you know, obviously you have the, the terrible play where there's the, the safety where he has the intentional grounding because he was, you know, uh, you know, being chased after, like he was, like he was a gazelle. <laughs> um, so it was definitely, I think the most uneven, uh, game as far as the trenches were concerned for the dolphins, most uneven moment with all the, the joint practices, the camp, the, the first preseason game. So definitely a little bit, of, uh, like it's not an over concern for me, but it's, but it's like, all right, let's, let's, let's start hoping this, uh, this gets going because they've, uh, it doesn't seem solved yet. Um, but there was some good stuff too. I mean, like, it, first of all, we, uh, the, the legend of Skylar Thompson just continues to grow. This kid is a, this kid is a Marvel and then easy too. Cause Ezukama, this guy is solidified himself. Not that he wasn't cause he was a draft pick, but like, this guy looks like he'd be a real contributor during the regular season because he is, he, he makes tough catches. He makes one handed catches. He gets open. His route running looks crisp. Um, he was very, very impressive yesterday. We have a break glass in case of emergency solution. In my opinion, already McDaniel does. If by week three, you know, offense just doesn't seem to get rolling and it just, Put in Skylar Thompson and let him throw it at Easy E, and you're 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 gonna get receptions. You're gonna move the ball like it is so effortless between them, right? It yeah. seems like Skylar Thompson and Ezukana Ezukama have been playing together forever. Like it is so effortless between them. And bro, some of the passes that he completed to him to to Ezukama were like veteran throws, mm-hmm. right? Like they, they were veteran throws veteran catches like I, I was so impressed everybody was everybody was so impressed by that well he's older than Tua so I mean like he is a veteran and in, in a lot of ways like they mentioned this yesterday he's got a lot of experience he's older than your starting quarterback um and yes I think the thing that I like I think everybody likes about him is he's not out there throwing little check downs that dude he tries to make stuff happen and I think that's the thing that's exciting about Skylar Thompson where'd he go again um Kansas State didn't he K-State, he was a four-year starter. Yeah. Four-year starter. I- I'm sorry, four-year captain. Four, like, that doesn't happen. Four-year captain. I've never heard of such a thing. He was a captain all four years he was there. He uh, He's definitely impressed, man. And I do think that, look, you'll have some nut jobs who are out there and they're like, oh, they, you know, the, the, the lurkers of Dolphins Reddit who will be like, you should replace two as QB1. That's nutty to me. Um, but – there is definitely some people wondering, like, does this guy do enough to dethrone Teddy Bridgewater? Uh, do they have to keep a roster spot on him? They mentioned this on the broadcast last night. JT was like, well, and Goldie were talking about the idea of, um, do you risk having a guy like this who's looked like this on the practice squad and he can get poached? Uh, I think it's an interesting question because you did use a draft pick on him. It's not like he just got him in off the street. You obviously liked yeah. his his talent, but he is a rookie. And having him as, you know, your backup QB as opposed to Teddy Bridgewater. First of all, I feel like Teddy Bridgewater would ask out immediately. He'd be like, okay, well, I'm by everybody. I'll go find yeah. a backup job somewhere else. And second of all, if something were to happen to Tua, uh, which durability has been a, a concern for him, um, 
it, do you really want to pass it off to this rookie or don't you want somebody who's got the experience of Bridgewater? I think that's uh, I think that's a big time question because we're going off of a couple preseason games and that could be dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, clearly there's something there with him. He's, he's a, an NFL caliber quarterback, right? Like there's no doubt about it. He's, he's going to have a job in the NFL for a couple of years, Skylar Thompson, but you're right. Look, you don't bring in Teddy Bridgewater, pay him $6 million and then replace him with a guy you watched in preseason light it up. Like for all we know, he's Reed Sinnott and, and Reed Sinnott's fighting with Gardner Minshew for a backup job in Philadelphia, who we'll see in the coming week, next week uh, with joint practices with the Eagles. So like, we do have to kind of pump our brakes with, uh, with Skylar Thompson, but man, I was so, so convinced he wouldn't get one of these 53 man uh, roster spots. And I don't know about that anymore, Tobin, like everybody, every beat writer, every single one is saying he's getting a roster spot every single one, because like you said, he'll get poached. They don't put him on the 53. He's going, he's not going to clear waivers. He, he will not clear waivers. No, Somebody like, will pick him up. How, first of all, like how many quarterbacks do the damn Raiders have? They played three last night. They didn't even play Derek Carr. So like, what, what, what is this that, that McDaniels has going on over there? Uh, and then the idea of they probably look at that and out of all their quarterbacks, they probably looked at who the Dolphins had. They're like, holy crap, let's get that guy. Yeah. He could back up Derek Carr oh, way yeah. better than Stidham. Yeah, even though – By the uh, way, remember Jared Stidham, like what he was going to do for the Patriots? Like, oh, he was, oh, he he was, was the next big thing. Next big thing. Yeah, Idiots. yeah. didn't even end up playing, like almost never played. And and by the way, you mentioned their five quarterbacks. Chase Garbers, I have it written down here. Chase Garbers, who ended up playing most of the fourth quarter for them, just ran all over the Dolphins' defense. What about the only touchdown of the game, Tobin, being the first drive of the game on the Dolphins' starters, other than – Obviously, no Byron Jones, no Xavier Howard. But first drive of the game, run it right down the Dolphins starters and score a touchdown. It's the only touchdown we get the entire game. The only one. I know. It was, uh, you know, but there, in fairness, in fairness, we had a couple of situations because, like, uh, Braylon Sanders has also had a nice camp. Although, like, I feel like as we come out, shined him. He had one. That was a good throw by Teddy Bridgewater. It was a great play by, I don't remember who the DB was for the Raiders. That was a good breakup by him, but felt like he could have hauled that one in. And that, I think, would have... You know, I think that kind of changes Teddy's narrative if he's able to if he's able to get that touchdown. Um, and then also, I'm, had I'm the wrong. Fun- by the way, I'm wrong because uh, Skyler threw a touchdown to Ezukama, didn't he? Now I'm remembering. No, no, Skyler- no. It was uh, it was who's the running back? It was uh, oh White, Zaquandre Z- uh, Z- Z- White. Yes, he yes. got a touchdown. Yeah, but yeah. um, but like yeah, no, Teddy's good. I think I feel like the narrative of his game changes if Sanders takes in that game. But then also. Uh, Dolphins got a break with that Miles Gaskin fumble, like yes. a huge break, because that should have been that should have been a, a, a scoop and score for the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. And, I didn't and know, by sh- the way, do you know Tua to his cousin on the Raiders? That's uh, how about that? Tongue of Iloa, Amosa, and hmm. and poor poor Jimmy Cephalo struggled a little bit with that one as well. <laughs> Did he now? Yeah, couldn't couldn't. He should have just well, he should have just gone one. with. In, in fairness, Goldie and uh, and JT just kept calling him Tua's cousin. Tua's cousin the whole yeah. time. The whole time. <laughs> That's the safe way to go. I, I think it go. is the safe way to go. Yeah. You know, yeah. I didn't know we would be like, if I'm a broadcaster, be like, wait a minute, there's another, there's another tongue of Iloa and he's got a hyphenated name. Did you know I he would, had a cousin? I had no idea. I know about his brother. Right. Uh, I, I, no, I had no idea that he had a cousin. Where did this guy come from? I right? don't know. Like, like, I feel like that's something we, we should know that, that Tua has a cousin in the NFL. Uh, um, I think he, okay. So he played for Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah, he went to Notre Dame. 
Um, I was trying to do a little research to see if he went to the same high school as Tua, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't dig deep enough. That's understandable, dude. I mean, like, what are we supposed to do? We're we supposed to know yeah. all this. Didn't even know the guy existed. I was, he, I was uh, disappointed. I was disappointed. No Mac Hollins yesterday, by the way, for the Raiders. Like oh, half the guys right. didn't even travel. He's a Raider. I forgot about our, our favorite yeah. little TikToker. Yeah. I forgot about that. Well, yeah. speaking of the guy uh, who Matt Collins always got confused for, Mike Gusecki had a certainly an interesting game. We will uh, talk about all things Mike Gusecki and where he stands as the Porpoise Pod continues after this. Porpoise Pod here with you, Tobin and Solana, continuing our recap of Dolphins Raiders, the second preseason game that was not a dress rehearsal. It was more like a, hey, little cameo for everybody. And then, uh, we got back to the backups, except for Mike Gusecki. Now, I didn't, for whatever reason, Solana, I didn't notice this as much the last game, but apparently he had a lot of snaps in the last preseason game too, but I felt like it was more noticeable yesterday because you did have first-teamers out there. Mm-hmm. And I was texting with my buddies yesterday. I was texting with uh, our boy Robbie the Degenerate and Leroy Horde. And I'm like, and why is Gusecki still out there? That's kind of weird because I'm like even looking at the line. I'm like, I don't see the starting line out there. I don't see any starting receivers. Teddy Bridgewater's out there. And there's old number 88, Mike Gusecki. He's still out there uh, just getting a lot of run in this preseason game. Uh, His strange summer continues because he is franchise tagged. He did not have any negotiations. Uh, We have talked about what his uh, role is with this team and how the tight end means a lot to, uh, to a Mike McDaniel offense. But for him to be out there in the in the first uh, for the entire first half, while all the other starters and and key players for this team and the notable players for this team are sitting down, uh, it was very noticeable and it was still a very very uneven game for him. You know how we are all we're, we're all very happy with Mike McDaniel. Everybody seems to be pleased with with what he's brought, and you know Tyreek loves him, Tua loves him. Everybody loves Mike McDaniel. Well, there's one guy that doesn't. It's Mike Kosicki. Like, this guy must be – Mike Kosicki must be so over uh, uh, McDaniel. Um, I, I was shocked to see him out there even in the third and fourth. I know there's questions about the blocking. We talked about it. The blocking scheme and and can he fit in Mike McDaniel's offense. I thought by going to him on the very first play last last week in the first preseason game, Skylar Thompson, bootleg, Mike Kosicki found him – and like that, I thought that was McDaniel not only telling us, but telling Mike Kosicki, hey, we're, we're going to figure this out. That's what I thought. I don't know anymore, Tobin. Like, I really don't know. I kind of overlooked the whole, can Mike Kosicki block? Is that going to be an issue? I chalked it up as this guy can make plays. Him and Tua have chemistry. We've seen it. We saw it in Arizona. Like, they're, they're good. You know, I don't know if that's the case anymore. I really yeah. don't, Tobin. He's got a couple of interesting quotes after the game because uh, he was asked how much has been an adjustment learning this offense. He says, it's definitely been a whole different offense, a whole different scheme. I'm learning a new position, basically. So it's been good. It's been exciting. I think that there's been a lot of progress, but obviously a lot more to go. Um, looking forward to continuing to attack it. And then he was asked about what did you make of playing so much? And he says, I need it. I need all the reps I can get. I mean, I played receiver last year. I played receiver the last three or four years. I'm playing tight end now. And any reps I can get live out there blocking, putting my hands on another guy, going out there, working hard and blocking, honestly, just working on my footwork and hand placement, all that kind of stuff. Any reps that I can get, I can use it. So 
That's a that's a pretty wild admission from the guy who you're paying a lot of money to, who is, you know, I think a lot of fans wanted him to, but he's a popular player. I feel like a lot of fans did want Mike Gusecki to get extended here, but that almost feels like something that has been told to him. Like you, yeah, you're not a tight end. You've been playing receiver. You've been right. playing in a fantasy land the last couple of years, and we need more out of you. And I don't know, man. Like you said, this is uh, this is going to be an interesting thing because you were talking about a coach who dealt with a guy in George Kittle who was the complete package, and that's a very high standard that he's seeing. And they're trying to speak into exists like a guy like Tyree Kill, who's the ultimate Dolphins hype man. He was talking about this. I think it was last week where he's like, "Oh, he's going to be my best friend. He's going to be my Travis Kelsey. He's going to be there with me every step of the way." Um, but yeah, this doesn't look like it's been the easiest transition for Mike. Somebody pointed out this week on, uh, on social media, which was, a I, I wish I could give credit to it, but I, but like he has not gotten the orange Jersey Durham Smythe. I think multiple orange jerseys for Durham Smythe. I might be maybe at least one. He's got at yeah. least one. And so yeah, Gasecki's in this strange spot, man. I, I don't know what to make of it. And he looks a little bit, it does look like it's messing with him because like that, not that one drop that he had with Tua yesterday hit him right in the numbers. Yeah, there were two guys there, but like, come on. That we know Mike Gasecki, he's sure-handed. He didn't even do... look back at the ball. Like he no. wasn't even expecting the throw to be there. Hit him right in the chest. I don't know, man. This is uh this is one of those where I'm I'm looking at where this coach expects him to be, where you know he has been now for the, the start of his career. I don't know if this ends up with him getting traded. I I know that that's a little bit tough with him having the franchise tag. Yeah. But this doesn't certainly feel like a marriage right now. It doesn't feel like a marriage that's going to last past this year. This this is one where, you know, I get it. You don't want him to just walk because, right, he's going to get, you know, picked up by the Patriots. He's going to get picked up by the Jets. And he's hauling in touchdowns and you regret it. Like, I, I get not wanting to let Mike Isecki just go for nothing. Um, but it is interesting that you spend that kind of money on him to keep him around for a year. And you didn't quite know if he was going to have the perfect marriage with this coach or get on the same page with this coach. Now, look, it, still plenty of time. I mean, we still got a couple of weeks before the season hits, but I don't know. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel like um, I don't know if that light bulb's gone on for Mike yet. Yeah. Yeah. And those quotes are interesting. I hadn't even heard that. Those quotes were, were, were really interesting because you're right. It does sound like somebody sat with him and said, hey, this is not last year. This is not you you know, lining up in the slot or, or just totally avoiding having to block anybody and, and, you know, run these routes. Like this is not what you're going to be doing this year. And I guess he's, he's realizing it though, right? Like he's realizing I need reps. I saw somebody say he's the worst blocking tight end in the NFL. I don't know who that was. One of the beat writers said that probably Omar Kelly because he, uh, or former beat writer, I should say, but, um, I don't know if that's the case. I wouldn't be so dramatic with it. But, I mean, you saw it last night, Tobin. He he really does need reps. Well, the he, thing he that's, really does. And this is the thing that's crazy about it with him, though, right, dude? Is like, And I've asked, I've asked my co-host, Leroy, about this um, because, you know, Leroy is a very physical player. And he's not the biggest guy in the world. You know, he's like he's – but he's not small either. Um, because Mike Gusecki's kind of a physical freak. Like, he's 6'6". He's a behemoth. Like, I – don't really understand why Mike Gusecki is a terrible blocker. It feels to me like he physically stands up there with all of these other guys, the Kittles, the, 
Kelsey's the Gronk's like, there's no reason he can't physically yeah. get to those levels. Um, you know, maybe he's a little leaner and, and a little bit more of a jumper than those guys are, but it's not like he doesn't have the tools. And, and I think, you know, what it's been told to me is like, you either have it in you or you don't. And I don't know if this is something that Mike is ever going to grasp because I don't know if he, he ever is a part of the game. Like, look, it's not crazy to think that he would have tried to pull a Jimmy Graham like in these negotiations where he would have wanted to be called a wide receiver because obviously they make a lot more money than tight ends do. And maybe that is his future. I don't know. Maybe he leaves out of here and it's just like, I that happened. Who the hell that happened with? That happened with, uh, I don't know, it might have happened in the other direction, but I remember Ernest Wilford that being a thing where he was on the Jaguars and then he came to the Dolphins and then like he stunk up the joint. You know, genius Parcel signing, by the way. <laughs> And then, uh, and then I think they tried him at tight end. Who else did they, did they did this with? Uh, I believe Kelvin Benjamin too. Remember Kelvin Benjamin wow. couldn't stop putting on weight. Yeah, the former uh, the former Seminole receiver with the Panthers, and he's kind of a fatty, and he couldn't stop. Uh, and so, like they're like, ah, we'll just try him at tight end. But you don't want to be the guy who's like, oh, he would just be a receiver. Like this is this offense is relying upon a lot of it. We talked about the concerns of the the run game, and you know, like this dude. This coach loves fullbacks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's two Full, of them, fullbacks two of them right now on the roster. How many? I, how, how many teams in the NFL in 2022 have two fullbacks on the roster? I, dude, I didn't even know there were two fullbacks left in the league. Like I thought it died with Lusaka <laughs> Polite. I didn't know this was still rocking around the league. And so if he's got fullbacks, dude loves him some blocking, and you yeah. better block your ass off. And it doesn't feel like uh, that's the case. Uh, McDaniel after the game said on Gasecki, and this is. <laughs> I heard this and I was like, wait, what? He said he was in position to have a pretty good game. You can ask him. He was frustrated because he had a couple of options. We rely on him. We went to him and he had a pretty good uh, couple of good opportunities and he wasn't able to come up with the play. So he needs to continue to do what he was doing. It sounds like he doesn't need to continue to do what he was doing. It sounds like he needed to do better, uh, which is completely committing in the run and pass game. He had a couple of plays on the ball away from having a really good game. And he'll feel really good about it. He knows that. I know that. And that's one of the reasons why he stayed in the game because he was frustrated. And as a competitor, he knew that he could make those plays that he didn't. And it's nothing out of the ordinary. It's nothing far from exactly about what he's been doing. Uh, he just needs to continue to be diligent and not get frustrated. Wow. Almost wow. had a good hey, you almost had a good game. Had a boy, Mikey. Almost. In like, position. Really. You were in position to have a good game. In yeah, position. You were in position. <laughs> hey, listen. You were – listen, he, we saw that guy run right past you with the safety. Uh, he was there. You know, the yeah. ball – did the ball hit him right in the chest? Yes, it did. Maybe. He was in position. Maybe. He was in position. He was going to get lit up on that play. He was going to get – you know what? He was going to get lit up. That's fair. But – Make the catch, dude. Like, you know, like that's if you're making $10 million, it's and you're you're the size that he is, like you're expected to make those tough catches. Yeah. And instead, like maybe it was a business decision because it was preseason. But I would say if you're out there playing with Bridgewater, you should probably try and make the tough catches. So this this coaching staff, which seems like it is questioning your physicality, uh, you make the catch. It was uh, it was Tua though, wasn't it? Wasn't that, that no, no, that play was Tua. Yes, that, that play, play was Tua. Tua what, I'm, right. what I'm saying is, if you're out there with Bridgewater, like afterward, like if you're still playing with Bridgewater, here's a rule: if you're out there still playing with Bridgewater, you got something to prove. Yeah, yeah, it's true. 
It's true. And and it's probably the biggest surprise of all of training camp, right? All of preseason is that, man, Mike Kosicki on the chopping block with, with Mike McDaniel? I mean, I, I mean obviously, obviously – Yeah, they obviously can't cut him because of his money. Maybe that wasn't the right the right phrase, but well, just, no, I just one of these guys, one of these guys like you mentioned, like long term. I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a question because if the coach doesn't really feel like he can fulfill all the responsibilities, like is there a way? Is there another guy franchise tagged like that's in the same realm that they could go and say you want to do a little swap skis yep. and like there could be somebody kind of better position there because. I'll be honest, like Hunter, Hunter Smith had a nice little uh, break of a tag yesterday. It was good to see him. Tanner Connor's kind of been lighting it up in camp. Yeah. So if they, it, it yeah, I, I, I don't want to do the Skylar Thompson thing with Tanner Connor because I don't want to like over, over react. Value, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't want to overvalue camp and all that because, yeah, yeah, we've seen, we've seen Gasecki do it in the regular season, but he hasn't been an elite player. Like he is a good player, he's a flawed player. And I think that these dreams of him being an elite tight end are still a big question mark. And so, I don't know, man. This is a, an interesting storyline. Obviously, in the last preseason game, he's going to play all four quarters because he's got to prove it. <laughs> yeah, he has to. Um, and and I know there's a lot of people who, like myself earlier before um, I had heard somebody kind of break it down. Why not just say, well, just use him as a wide receiver. Like, we know he can, he can be out there. He can be somebody who can, you know uh, – uh, put up numbers as a wide receiver. The issue is if he is a tight end and you're only using them on passing plays, the defense has a step up on you every single time because Mike yeah. is out in the field. Like, you know, what's happening now. And, and you can't do that. You can't do that when half your offense are RPOs with Tua and deception plays with Mike McDaniel. You don't know if they're going to run the ball. You don't know if they're going to pitch it to uh, to Waddle or to Tyreek. Like you can't just have, um, uh, uh, Gasicki out there when you're only going to pass him the ball because it ends up being what we saw last year, which was defenses knew Gasicki's on the field, the play is a pass play. You knew it right away. Yeah, he's got to become a more complete player. It's got to be a weird thing for Durham Smythe, right? Because it's almost like uh, I was saying this last night to uh, to to Robbie. I was like, I uh, I was I was like, we may have ourselves if for for our Heat fans out there, we may have like our, ourselves a Duncan Robinson, Max Strews situation. Yeah, it was like adorable going into last year. Oh, Duncan Robinson has Max Strews on his podcast. You're the uh, you know you're the cheap you're the cheap shooter. I'm the rich shooter. And now these guys who are good friends, they're roommates, best of friends. But now Durham Smythe may be coming up, you know, like a like a racehorse chasing mm -hmm. down Mike Gusecki. And so now all of a sudden we're in a situation where Durham Smythe, he's the starter, he's the guy, and Mike Gusecki is like looking at this, and you know, he he may have all the dough, but now Durham Smythe, he may be in this in this critical year where they're both looking for long-term deals. Maybe it's Durham Smythe who can sneak in there and become the 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 guy the Dolphins really invest in. And the Dolphins paid Durham Smythe, I believe. Like, they re-upped his contract, uh, I think it was in the offseason or maybe last year at some point. And and I remember Gesicki being one of these guys that was just, like, so happy for him. He deserves it. Uh, and 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 now it's like, hey, hey, uh, like, you you might be – you, you might have been replaced by your boy. Like, it's crazy. That, that could be happening, bro. That could be happening. Uh, we'll roll on here on the uh, the Porpoise Pod. We'll look ahead to our final week of preseason football, another joint practice, and plus Tua Tungavailoa doing something he hasn't been doing, according to Mike McDaniel. 
that I think Dolphin fans are going to like. The Porpoise Pod, we're breaching out of water. We're doing cute flips. You know, we're, we're doing little click whistles at each other. We're having a good time here, man. You know, it's uh, it's been fun doing this podcast as, you know, the Dolphins preseason is underway. Thank you, everybody, who's been uh, tuning in. If you, do, if you have found our episode, please subscribe to the podcast, by the way. Uh, do so on all your podcast platforms. And uh, thank you for the support, everybody. We've been having a lot of fun as uh, the Dolphins lost their second preseason game to the Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, go into this final week against the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll have a couple of joint practices on Wednesday and Thursday before uh, having their final go at games that don't matter. And then we can get into the real deal. But one last thing I want to get to. So we haven't talked much about uh, Tua Tungavailoa's debut yet. Solana it was a little bit under, I want to say underwhelming, but it was a little uneventful. It was kind of a, uh, it was just a couple of series. Had a nice little throw there to Sherfield. Um you know, got involved with Chase Edmonds there. They tried yeah. to do some runs up the middle with Sony Michelle, but pretty uneventful uh, debut for Tua Tungavailoa. And uh, but it was good to see him out there. Certainly, he said that he's been wanting to play, wanted to play in the first game. Um, you know, was there anything that really stood out to you uh, as far as it was concerned? No, no. And and I saw a lot of people saying it was a disappointing uh, debut for him. I don't want to use those words because it's not like he played bad. What was he? I have it written down here: six of eight. Uh, I think it was 50, like six, yeah, six of eight, like 50, 60 yards. Yeah, and obviously, seven yards. Had that one um, drop, had that one drop by Gasecki that would have uh, bumped the numbers a little bit. But yeah, it was, right. it was, it was fine. It was, it was fine. like, it was, it was, I don't want to be in the spot this year where I'm evaluating every two a throw, especially exactly. for two series. Right. There's a game different. Okay. But like, I'm not going to see you be like, oh, there's two of the truth. Cause I know, like, if he would have had a great game, yes, I would have definitely been more irrationally happy about it. But don't, <laughs> you know what? Welcome to sports. You know, judge yeah. me, whatever. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't a bad performance. No. There, there's no, there's no way you could spin yesterday as a bad performance. You didn't have Tyreek out there. You didn't have Jalen Waddle out there. And, uh, and, and, you know, they're, they're still workshopping a whole new offense. So that's why I'm happy he got some run Tobin. But again, without Tyreek and Waddle out there, I mean, what, you know, what are we watching? It's, what was, it's not uh, the same team. What was the uh, the the preseason atmosphere like there yesterday? Because I know they said they've been talking about it. it was a it's a sold out season tickets, which they made a really big deal of this year. Um, was it packed? Was it not packed? Like, what was the atmosphere like there for for Tua? Bro, I can't believe this. It was. I mean, there must have been fifty thousand people there last night. Forty five thousand people there. I mean, really? it was slammed. Like, even the upper deck, typically preseason, there's nobody in the upper deck. There was – I'm not I'm not saying it was 100% full, right? Like, the stadium wasn't at capacity. There was way too many people there for a preseason football game, Tobin. I wow. got to the stadium. I normally get to the stadium around 3, 3.30 for a 7 p.m. kickoff. So, it was, like, close to four hours before the game. And when I tell you the parking lot was more full than I've ever seen it, even for a preseason uh, – for a – a regular season game four hours before kickoff, I heard Bad Bunny all throughout the orange lot, which is where I park. And uh, it was crazy. Like, I couldn't believe it. I thought, I was like, am I wrong here? It's kickoff at five? Like, I, I wasn't I wasn't certain what was going on. That atmosphere was wild. Now, did everybody stay through the fourth quarter? No. Of course not. No, that's which was great for that's me. A, that's a ridiculous ask. No, uh, no traffic getting out of there. But it was, uh, it was, 45, 50,000 people for a preseason game. That that goes to show how hyped people are for this. I, I got to be honest with you, because uh, I got my credential this week. I don't know if I'm going to all the games this year, but yeah. I'm definitely going to week one. 
I can't wait to see that stadium. I can't wait to see all the Sully and Murphs. I can't wait for them to go home sad in their stupid Mac Jones jerseys. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's a gonna lot. be fun. That's gonna be so much fun. Not so, many Raiders, uh, not many Raiders fans last night, by the way. That's like one of those teams that always that travels is, really well. That is a weird one. You know, uh, of course, famous, uh, famous Raiders fan is former Marlins third baseman Jorge Cantu. Oh, is he really? That Huge is a huge Raiders fan, dude. Wow, I didn't think we get a Jorge Cantu, uh, Jorge Cantu reference, but I'm You're always welcome. here for a Cantu reference. Seen him naked. <laughs> Excuse me. Seen him naked in the in the Marlins locker room. I think it was like uh, it was the year where he, Hanley, Mike Jacobs, and Daniel all hit 25 home runs as an infield, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was like one of those sneak attack ones where he like came around out of the tunnel. There's Hori Cantu with all his oh. Cantus just and, out there. Uh, were Were you impressed by uh, by Sir Cantu? He was fine. I mean, I was more impressed by his confidence because he was just walking, no no clothes. He was just in locker room slides, so obviously wanted to avoid wow. fungus. Wow. So uh, responsible in that regard. Yes, but uh, certainly. I, I am not a fan of going into locker rooms. Like I know that those are back open. Uh, I'm not looking forward to that because football locker rooms, the the ass cheeks. I mean, it is like you cannot get away from it. And yeah. I mean, linemen don't care, dude. They have no shame. They're stinky, and you know, I, I mean, I saw Mark Colombo's ass a few too many times, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not looking forward. To see an Eichenbergs, I got to be honest with you. I saw a couple, couple, a uh, couple cheeks last night in the locker room. Oh. I can't lie. Yeah, yeah. Dolphins you players in the locker room. Huh? Yeah, I went into the locker room. I, uh, I tried to get into McDaniel. He had already started. I don't, I don't want to be, you know, rude media guy. Then I photobombed Kim Bo Camper on oh, the CBS Four pre uh, post game show. I got a couple tweets about that, and then I head into the locker room. Saw a couple butt cheeks. Talk to uh talk to Teddy for a little bit and oh and that was a wrap. That was All a right. wrap. Yeah. Very cool. Did you get anything good out of him? No, I mean um he had he had already spoken as well, so it was kind of just like ancillary just discussions. How you doing? So couple uh couple of how you doing to let him know I'm from Miami. Safed Dean was was flirting with all the players as he always does at this <laughs> Safed. Um a hobnobber. Yeah, yeah. He likes he likes them to know that you know he wants to be their friend. Report, report, reporters are so happy the locker room is back open. Like all these writers are like, now you guys are going to get unprecedented access. And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, but they that, really do. Like know, these guys... you know what else? Yeah. But you know what else we're going to get? Ass cheeks. And I'm not in, ton. I'm not in, I'm not into seeing sweaty Eichenberg ass. A ton of ass cheeks. A ton of ass cheeks. Never saw Jason Taylor's ass cheeks. So he got dressed somewhere else. And then he came out so handsome late, you know, perfumed, just smelling great. Cause that happened with the heat too. Like back in the day, D Wade, he didn't get dressed in the locker room, dude. He got dressed in the back. Then he came out. He maybe like buttoned up a shirt or something like that, but he's not getting dressed in the locker room. That's not a thing. Not, not in basketball. Only guy I think I've ever seen ass cheeks on the heat is, uh, is Kelly O'Linux. <laughs> you know, just showing me those Canadian cheeks, the Canadian cheeks, the yep. Canadian ham cheeks. Uh, that, that's, that's interesting. So like they have this, like another room, where these guys can go in and, and, and get dressed? Yeah, like uh, in the heat locker room, it's a big circle, carpet. Mm-hmm. And then there's like these big swinging doors in the middle. Yeah. And so Jimmy's now in the locker D-Wade used to be in. Um, maybe he's one over. I haven't been in a locker room in two years. I think he was in this. I think he's in the same D-Wade locker. Um, if not, he's one over. But like right next to D-Wade's locker was the swinging doors, which basically goes back to the trainer's room. And that's always where the stars got dressed. And then they came out, did their media. Um, but it hasn't been like that since the pandemic. I mean, it's been all on the podium, 
the only thing I say, like as a guy who like you know likes to be boots on the ground with with stuff, just the thing that I I think reporters like is just the awkwardness of a press conferences. You gotta wait for a microphone. Yeah, you gotta you know, if, if, especially post game, it's made for TV. I think that's why you know they like the idea of you get the sidebars, all that stuff. If somebody says something, you then can go back to them for a little bit of uh, some exclusive stuff. You see these experts like uh, the Barry Jacksons, the Arrow Winners, they sidle in there, they get some extra info you didn't get. That's why they are who they are, you know. But uh, anyway, so you got there at three o'clock, which makes you uh, thirty minutes late to see Tua Tungavailoa already out there doing his thing because CBS yesterday uh, or I think NFL Network mentioned this earlier in the pod. They tweet out this video of Tua and he's just out there by himself. Nobody out there. He's just got like his little plays and he's just out there visualizing stuff. Very Friday night light style. And um, people were very, uh, they, they love this because, mm-hmm. you know, they let, they see themselves. They see a Tua Tungavailoa who's kind of maturing getting himself uh, doing the extra work, putting stuff in. And it was an interesting thing because Mike McDaniel was asked about this after the game. And this is what he said. He said, quote, that's why his teammates are so confident in him. And that's why I'm confident in him. And that's why this coaching staff is because it, that is something he has done on his, uh, with his own guidance from his quarterback coach Bevel. Uh, you can see it every day. Coach Bevel has explained to him all sorts of stories of players that he's worked with coming in here this year. That wasn't something that I had heard with Tua it wasn't really his MO just to go ahead go outside the framework of whatever the schedule is and really invest all in on your craft now he's doing that every single day and it really shows in his play it doesn't surprise me I hadn't heard that but he's really been doing something every single day at the beginning of the day he goes out there with the script that's why he's owning this offense and leading us so well and will be in good position uh when we really need him in week one so interesting stuff there for McDaniel that he had even heard coming in here, and we had heard some reports about this, that Tua wasn't necessarily the first one in, last one out guy. He was not, uh, you know, Flores apparently not loving the fact how much he loved golf. Um, and now it appears that maybe we have ourselves a more, we definitely see ourselves a, a stronger Tua Tungavailoa, uh, a, a guy who looks like he's getting all his phys- physical strengths back. But now it seems like we're getting a more mature Tua Tungavailoa who is uh is you know doing all of the extra stuff that Kyler Murray kind of got killed for not doing in that whole contract controversy? What do you make of that stuff from the coaches? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think when you have a regime change, it's kind of like you know turning the chapter for everybody. Everybody kind of says fresh new start for Tua. That's something he probably was looking forward to, and we've seen from everything he's been saying, he's clearly embracing this fresh new start with McDaniel. So it doesn't shock me that you know he's kind of. he's kind of changing his approach to preparing for games. Maybe the way he practices, maybe the way he just approaches, you know, quarterbacking in general. Um, It doesn't surprise me, but I got to be honest, man. Like I don't, I don't take too much into account of the first guy in the last guy out. Like we love that stuff. I do love it. I do. And, and fans love white, we eat that stuff up. But do you remember when Kobe, um he lost to the big three heat and he stayed after and he did shoot around for three hours until remember it i was there i remember it it was it was so funny too because uh i was i I, okay so i actually it was back in the day so old school radio for everybody so we had a reporter josh freeman he'd always go do the heat 
And then for big games during that era, I would be somebody that would bring somebody else in to do the road. So I did Lakers locker room. And so, yeah. And I remember that was a thing that year. Remember that he could have beat good teams. It was a right. thing. You remember right. Phil Jackson? He was a real jerk to spell. He goes, oh, coach, Xbox, Xbox. shut up, you, you, you hippie. Bill. You know, Bill. Where, where are you in Montana doing your spirit quest, <laughs> ruining the Knicks? Uh, cool. Like, um, but, but yes, I remember this. So Kobe does the locker room. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm walking out of there and like, there's like a, people are noticing out on the court. There's Kobe shooting. doing a shoot around. Shooting. And listen, Kobe outworked everybody all the yep. time. He was always the best player on the floor. Always. But did Kobe Bryant get better that night from shooting? No. And I'm just using that analogy to say that just because you're the first one in and the last one out doesn't make you the best player on any team. Like it just doesn't. So I'm happy Tua's out there. I'm not making this a negative. I'm just saying I don't take, you know, these these things and use them against players or or use them to prop up players. Like if Tua's getting in the work that or last year he was getting in the work that he needed to get in because he was there when he needed to be there and he left when everybody else left. I'm fine with that. Like I, yeah, I but you I'm, would agree I'm totally that fine with that. Look, and I'm not saying Brian Flores handled Tua the best way because certainly you know, it was reported at one point that he had told him, admitted, we're going after Deshaun Watson before the season. They told him that, told that to too. I could get why that wouldn't make me all the way in. But yeah. one of the things Tua has said is that um, he likes that McDaniel doesn't make him be anybody that he's not. And if you're not going to be the vocal Dan Marino, cuss out people, yell at people, then typically the other way you need to lead by is by example. And by your third year, you need to be a guy who's out there showing that you are putting in the work and especially from the standpoint of owning the offense. Like you need to know, like if you see a guy like Mike Gusecki, who's out there, you know, playing extra reps, I think you need to do everything as your quarterback to show that, Hey, I'm out here doing what I can do as well. Especially if you don't think you're going to get the physical reps there either. So I don't know. I do dig it. I think that, that, that I, I seeing that, okay, this was a flaw that was reported. It seems like there was some validity to it, and it seems like he has turned the page on it and that he has gotten the message that I do need to put in the extra work and I do need to put in the uh, amount of studying that is required of this position. I, 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 I find that to be a, 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 a really big positive for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think it is a positive, but Tobin, we've seen all the offseason workout videos. His trainer blew up on Twitter over the uh, over the offseason season. I mean, he's out there working every day. You know what I mean? So a 30-second video of him dancing at the 50-yard line isn't going to change my opinion of, of Tua. Do I like that for my quarterback? Absolutely. But I know he's been working hard because we've seen it throughout the entire offseason. He's putting in the work. He's in the Grove. He's at these high schools. Like, he is putting in the work. And the first chance we got to see him in practice, he already looked better. We do this every year. Tua looked better. He looks like he's grasping the off the offense. He looks like he's connecting with his players. He's being more out there. Like everything we've criticized him for, he is he is working to better himself at. Um, I'm I'm cool. Like he wants to be out there every every game day, five hours before kickoff in uh, at the thirty yard line, just visualizing stuff. If that works for Tua, cool with me, man. Like I'm I feel I'm like down I'm with kind it. Of dismissing it though. I mean, like he was out there. There was nobody there, dude. Like he beat, he beat you to the ballpark. I mean, like, and I feel like you're dismissing. He had a he had a sheet, and he was he was handing it off to nobody. 
It was it was it was beautiful. What's he doing Visual. out there, Toby? What's he doing? He's, he's dancing he's out visualizing, there. Visualizing, dude. He's like, you know, he's 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 doing all these he is visualizing all things McCoachin offense. You know what he's doing out there? He's racking up his steps on his Apple Watch. He's in a wow. competition. He's in a competition with somebody in that locker room. And he he can't wear the Apple Watch on the field. He wasn't going to be able to get into work because he's going to be on the sidelines for most of the game. He was yeah. just racking up his steps on his Apple Watch. What's he doing out? Come on, he's visualizing Joe. the offense. You can get more work done in a in a in a room watching tape than you can standing at the thirty yard line looking out at nobody so except for the guy cutting the grass. So you're claiming that he's showponying it. He knew those cameras would be there because he could do these handoffs in the tunnel. <laughs> I'm claiming that Tua Tungavailoa is trying to get brownie points any way he wow. can. Any mm. way he can. And is he show pointing? I don't know. I, don't I think you're think Team so. Skyler. I think you are team I think you're secretly Team Skyler's the limit. And I think I'm, that you want you want him out there. I think you are one of these Dolphins Redditors who's ready to replace <laughs> Tua. I'm not, and that's what pisses me off is that like you can't say anything negative about Tua without people thinking you're anti-Tua. I'm not like I, I think he's well prepared all the time. I don't think Tua I don't think the reason why we haven't seen Tua be elite is because he's not prepared. It's because he's not out there on the field at 2.30. Like, no, I think Tua's prepared. I think he knows he, he what he needs to do to be prepared. I'm just saying I'm not impressed by somebody dancing at the 30-yard line with nobody else on the field four hours before preseason game number two. I'm not, I'm not impressed by it. Team Skyler, this guy. Didn't think we were going to hit this one. Anyway, that's our Porpoise Pod for today, everybody. Uh, we'll be back later on in the week. We'll preview uh, Dolphins and Eagles, joint practices, kerfuffles, scuffles, whatever the hell's going on. We'll uh, have full reaction to it. Solana, even though you're a Tua hater and I didn't know this, uh, I still love you, man, and I'm looking forward to the next episode. And me too. Uh, meet, me at, uh, meet me at Devonair Park here in Kendall if you, uh, you want to get in some reps, Tobin.